Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com RTP. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. One of my favorite conversations I've ever had on There Are No Girls on the Internet is with a writer who was targeted and harassed online about how she continues to stay safe while doing visible work on the Internet. Without missing a beat, she said, anybody worried about online harassment should sign up for Delete Me. I signed up for Delete Me right then and there, and I personally recommend it to anyone. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me. Now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls, code nogirls. There Are No Girls on the Internet is a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. I'm Bridget Todd, and this is There Are No Girls on the Internet. Hi, and welcome to There Are No Girls on the Internet. So we are starting a brand new thing on the podcast where we are going to be rounding up news and analysis about tech, the internet, and media that you might have missed. I will do this every other week, but if you want to get it weekly, be sure to subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash So let's get into it. I'm here with my producer, Mike. Mike, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here for this inaugural news roundup. So we're starting out hot with a story that I followed obsessively. I have watched multiple documentaries about it. I have read books about it. I have watched Hulu series about it. And that is my girl, Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes has officially girl-bossed a little bit too close to the sun and must report to prison on May 30th. Y'all probably remember Elizabeth Holmes. She used to run a blood testing startup called Theranos that said that using a drop of blood, they could screen for diseases and health information. But actually, it never did any of that. Elizabeth Holmes, like she wore a lot of black turtlenecks and sort of always had this like messy hair and she kind of talked like this, all as part of this like tech CEO persona that was also kind of a fraud. 
Holmes was convicted on charges of defrauding her investors in her failed blood testing startup. She's appealing those charges, but the court rejected her request to remain out on bail while she appeals her case. She's sort of been able to drag her feet on reporting to prison, but it seems like maybe her time has finally run out. Now, back in November, she was sentenced to 11 years and three months in prison for conspiracy and fraud against investors. Now, she was supposed to report to prison back in April, but her prison time was delayed while the court considered her appeal. This comes after kind of a very glowing, fawning New York Times, like, redemption arc profile that really painted her in a sympathetic light. But let's not forget that Elizabeth Holmes's scam hurt real people. There was a mother with a history of miscarriages who was wrongly told that she would never be able to have a baby. There was someone who was given a false HIV diagnosis and had to wait for months until they could afford another test. And someone was even given a false cancer diagnosis. Yeah, that's what's so egregious about her story. You know, as somebody who works in health tech, it was like really just egregious that she would just be lying about what this technology can do. But it says a lot about our legal frameworks for uh, policing or regulating health tech that uh, none of her jail sentence is related to harming those people or the thousands of more people who, uh, you know, received inaccurate medical information. It was all just about the investors. And, uh, you know, it's, I'm like kind of torn about this because it's, it's good to see some justice happening, but it's, it's not happening because people were harmed. It's just because investors were harmed. And it's a real shortcoming. No, I firmly believe had, had Elizabeth Holmes not harmed and defrauded wealthy investors, rich people, she would not be going to jail. I think that if it was if she had only harmed regular, ordinary people, which she did harm, I don't think that she'd be facing jail time like she is. And I also don't think that she would be hated like she is. It is kind of a sad thing that the reason why she's facing consequences is probably because she defrauded investors, because people don't care when you harm. I think I think that we've just kind of been conditioned that you can be a tech company that harms everyday people, and that's totally fine. Harm wealthy people and investors, then you're going to jail. Yeah. So, you know, as we think of, talk about on the show, like, what are, what does the future look like that does a better job of protecting people? Uh, I, I think this is a real area where as health technology becomes a bigger part of the health landscape overall, we're really going to need regulatory frameworks to address it. And right now we just like don't have them to the extent that we do in FDA. They're just very inadequate for for what's coming. And we haven't even talked about AI. Well, speaking of regulation, let's talk about those AI Senate hearings that also happened this week. There were Senate hearings on AI this week. Uh, The hearing started with Senator Richard Blumenthal playing testimony, in air quotes, from a deep fake audio recording of his own voice that was written by ChatGPT and vocalized by an audio application trained on his Senate floor speeches. You got to hear it. I know that doesn't make sense, but you'll understand what I'm saying when you hear it. You got to hear it. Here we go. Too often, we have seen what happens when technology outpaces regulation. The unbridled exploitation of personal data, the proliferation of disinformation, and the deepening of societal inequalities. We have seen how algorithmic biases can perpetuate discrimination and prejudice, and how the lack of transparency can undermine public trust. 
This is not the future we want. So that is pretty eerie to hear, right? Like, that sounds just like him. He makes a good point that, you know, it happened to be saying things that he actually agreed with, but they could just as easily be saying something that he would never say and doesn't agree with. And you can sort of get an idea of the implications of that kind of technology. Yeah, it was eerie. And it's it's such a good little stunt. Like, I, I kind of love it when senators get up there and do little stunts like this. Uh, this one is particularly good because it's not just an attention stunt, but it really highlights how it's not just these individual technologies that are a risk, but really the the combination of them that uh, creates some really like terrifying possibilities for, for what the future holds. So these hearings really seemed like very chummy. CNN reported that before the hearings, Sam Altman, who you may know is the CEO of OpenAI, who has basically kind of become the face of AI, met with more than 60 House lawmakers over a dinner. It was a bipartisan gathering featuring an even split of Republicans and Democrats. And Altman demonstrated like various uses of chat GPT to, quote, much amusement, according to a person in the room who described the lawmakers as riveted by the display. Um, Yeah, something about that. There's something about that I don't like, that this was such a chummy meeting of lawmakers and AI technologists, I would like, I guess I'll just, I'll just, I'll just stop it there. I, 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 there's something about the chumminess that I find a little sus. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. It is a little sus, right? Like usually regulation is an adversarial thing. And in those occasions when the industry is like leading the charge on the regulation, uh, it's usually weird, right? There's usually some kind of like, perverse incentive or like agency capture or something going on and it feels weird yeah you're not the only one who feels that way yeah and if you were just kind of casually following the story via headlines that you didn't click into you probably saw that sam altman actually pleaded for senate to regulate ai he said we think that regulatory intervention by governments will be critical to mitigate the risks of increasingly powerful models um and so here's my take This whole thing just feels very sus to me. And Scott Galloway actually put it really well on Twitter. He tweeted this very long list of all the different times that tech CEOs made a big show in public asking for their technology to be regulated. And so I think that what, so like Mark Zuckerberg saying, please regulate us, or um, Jack Dorsey saying, please regulate Twitter. And I think that what Altman is actually saying is, yes, we totally agree. We need regulation. And we would also be very happy to write that regulation for you. I think he's advocating for AI companies making the rules themselves. I don't think that he's actually like genuinely asking for lawmakers to regulate AI. Yeah, I, th- I think that's probably right. And you could forgive him for thinking that on- Congress may do nothing, right? Like, they have a long track record of doing nothing. And so it also feels like a good way to just avoid responsibility for having some sort of like ethical safeguards in place on their own, which we can't expect them to because they're companies, they, they wouldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, like calling for regulation, it, it feels like a good way to pass the buck and be like, oh, it, Congress, why don't you regulate us? Let's take a quick break. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. 
We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a backseat. That's where release the pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. Y'all know I love the internet, but a sad truth about it is that it can be a scary place, especially for women, people of color, and trans folks. We've talked to people on this podcast, whistleblowers, activists, and advocates who are making technology safer, who then become targets for doing that work. But the truth is, it can happen to any of us online. That's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. Delete Me finds and removes any personal information you don't want online and makes sure it stays off. Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter code nogirls at checkout. That's joindeleteme.com slash nogirls code nogirls. And we're back. Well, speaking of passing the buck and posturing while really doing nothing, let's talk about Montana. So this week, Montana became the first state to ban the social media platform TikTok, which is a pretty big step in the backlash against this Chinese-owned platform over concerns about things like data privacy. Um, Montana's governor signed the measure on Wednesday. He said that he did so to, quote, protect Montanans' personal and private data from the Chinese Communist Party. The ban takes effect in January of 2024, but people can actually still use TikTok after that. Like, the, this law does not punish them if they use TikTok. But what it actually does is target the availability of the app by threatening entities such as TikTok, Google, and Apple with a $10,000 fine for each day that the platform remains accessible in app stores for users in Montana. So from the user end, you don't actually have to do anything once this ban, uh, once this law goes into effect. But eventually, when you need to update TikTok for it to run properly, that's when it will probably become an issue. So it's kind of a way of like phasing TikTok out because people won't be able to access the app in the app store to like get the the updates that you would need for it to run properly on your device. According to the Washington Post, app stores are divided by country or global region and that they don't change or discriminate based on what state a user is in. Changing that system would require not just carving the stores into state-specific chunks, but also closer monitoring of people's locations and a by-the-minute system to define what happens when 
For instance, a user drives over state lines. And keep in mind that, like, people can always just sort of get around this by using a VPN. So it seems like this law will be very difficult to enforce to the point where you almost kind of have to wonder, like, what the point of this law would be. The law would be nullified if TikTok is no longer headquartered in, quote, any country designated as a foreign adversary by the U.S. government. The law will probably face a significant legal challenge. Free speech groups like the ACLU have already been vocally criticizing this law, and five TikTok creators filed a lawsuit saying that this ban infringes on their First Amendment rights. In the suit, they say the state of Montana, quote, can no more ban its residents from viewing or posting to TikTok than it could ban the Wall Street Journal because of who owns it or the ideas it publishes. So y'all probably know that we did an entire episode with misinformation specialist and TikTok creator Abby Richards about why she feels like banning TikTok just is not a good idea. We'll link to the episode in the show notes, definitely worth listening to. But ultimately, my take is that there is so much wrong with our current data privacy laws and landscape in the U.S. that if lawmakers truly wanted to protect our data and our privacy, banning TikTok would not really accomplish that. So I think that laws like this one, especially given that they're so difficult to actually enforce, are just sort of meant to signal to us, the American public, that lawmakers are like, cracking down on and sort of getting tough with big tech while actually doing nothing. And I firmly believe that what we need is meaningful policies to protect our privacy and data, not just grandstanding and posturing, yeah? Yeah, I agree. It's it. On the one hand, it's nice to see politicians taking some action. On the other hand, this law seems like bad in half a different ways and, like you said, unenforceable. I, I'm not very sympathetic to Google crying that they wouldn't know how to do this, right? Like, you can geofence Google ads down to, like, a city block if you want to. So the idea that they are going to be completely unable to handle state boundaries is just dishonest, right? Like, they, they could technically figure it out if they, if they wanted to, but they don't want to. Um, not that this law is, is a good idea, because like you said, people can get around it a bunch of different ways. It's probably unconstitutional. Uh, but yeah, wouldn't it be nice if we saw more thoughtful legislation that instead of just banning one app on, uh, for reasons that feel awfully xenophobic, what if they prohibited categories of data use or prohibited categories of data collection so that, uh, social media platforms could not harvest the, uh, personal data of Montanans without their explicit consent. You know, that feels like uh, it would be a much better approach to actually protect people's privacy. There are a million different better approaches that are out there. I, I firmly think that lawmakers want the credit for appearing to do something while actually doing nothing. That is my big problem with all of this talk of banning TikTok. Yeah. And a big part of what they're trying to do with the TikTok ban is feed anti-China sentiment, which uh, I think there's a lot, a lot of good reasons to be concerned about China's relationship with the United States and spying on Americans, but we could definitely do without the racist rhetoric, right? Pretty much always. You know who needs to hear that? Elon Musk. Ooh. I know that I said that I wasn't going to talk about Elon Musk anymore, like for my own personal mental health, and I was going to stop talking about Elon Musk, but I have to talk about this interview that he did. Um, so last week, Elon Musk did this interview with CNBC 
during the interview, he was asked about his tweets about the mass shooting in Allen, Texas, which was a total tragedy on May 8th that left eight people dead and seven people wounded. Now, let's just be super, super clear. The Texas Department of Public Safety has said that the shooter showed indications of holding neo-Nazi ideology, uh, with an official saying that he had patches, he had tattoos. And multiple news outlets, including The New York Times, confirmed this too. But Elon Musk basically just said a bunch of inaccurate stuff about the shooting. Elon Musk said, quote, ascribing it to white supremacy was bullshit. There's no proof that he is a white supremacist. We should not be ascribing things to white supremacy if it's false. When he doubled down on this claim on Twitter, people actually used Twitter's community notes feature to correct him, adding a footnote to the post that said, Texas police have confirmed that Allen, the mall shooter, had neo-Nazi tattoos and beliefs, and he wore a patch signifying right-wing death squad. Uh, the community note was deleted. We do not know if Elon Musk had anything to do with that, that community note being deleted, but it does sound like something he would do, we have to admit. Uh, so this is my take. Obviously, the things that Elon Musk says are not true and also horrible, right? So like, that's not that's not what I'm giving a perspective on here. My take is that we absolutely need to talk about the fact that Elon Musk has been amplifying and engaging with extremist right-wing talking points, and he's been doing it for a really long time out in public. Uh, I think that for a while, like it was kind of easy or maybe tempting for tech journalists, even tech journalists that I really personally like and respect, like Kara Swisher. I'm obsessed with Kara Swisher. She is one of my idols. However, I do think that some of the tech press really kind of let him off the hook from what is what he is obviously doing in plain sight. Like, it, it, I think that people gave him the benefit of the doubt. They assumed that maybe something else was going on. Like, maybe Elon Musk was just trolling or kind of just trying to be edgy, use edgy humor, or he doesn't actually believe the things that he's talking about, or that maybe he's somehow just trying to, like, hear out both sides. As if someone like Elon Musk is far too smart to fall for, like, a right-wing extremist echo chamber. But this has been going on in plain sight for kind of a long time. Like, remember when Nancy Pelosi's husband, Paul Pelosi, was attacked by a man with a hammer? Elon Musk tweeted a piece from the Fringe website called the Santa Monica Observer, which has previously reported things like that Hillary Clinton died in 9-11 and was replaced by a body double. This piece falsely claimed that Paul Pelosi knew his attacker and that they, would ha they had had some kind of a relationship. This is obviously not true, completely baseless. Pelosi's attacker admitted that he broke into their home specifically to attack Speaker Pelosi. But after Musk tweeted this, other extremists amplified this baseless claim on Twitter, including Marjorie Taylor Greene, who defended Musk with a tweet that repeated the lie that, quote, Paul Pelosi's friend attacked him with a hammer. So Elon Musk, like, we just have to call it what it is. He traffics in well-worn conspiracy theories that are oftentimes anti-Semitic, right? So he has trafficked in a well-worn anti-Semitic trope when talking about the influential philanthropist George Soros. Uh, he tweeted, George Soros reminds me of Magneto, uh, which is obviously comparing Soros to the Marvel supervillain, presumably because they're both Jewish Holocaust survivors. Uh, just in case you were confused about what he was trying to say, he followed up with another tweet saying that George Soros hates humanity. Listen, Soros is an incredibly influential, connected philanthropist. Like, I think he's the biggest donor to the Democratic Party. It is absolutely fine to criticize someone like George Soros's, you know, agenda, perspective, whatever. However, there is absolutely a way to do that that does not traffic in well-worn anti-Semitic tropes. Like, you don't have to compare him to a comic book supervillain. You don't have to say that he hates humanity. You don't have to traffic in all of these very well-worn anti-Semitic 
tropes and and stereotypes in order to criticize George Soros. And I think the fact that Elon Musk continues to do so is him telling us who he is. It's him showing us who he is, where he stands, and what he believes. And we got to take him for his word. Yeah, I think you're you're right. And you know, a notable difference about his defense of the shooter uh, is that there was nothing like funny or jokey that he, in what he was saying, right? Like the idea that, oh, he's just like kidding or trolling or, uh, you know, playing to the to the trolls for funsies or whatever uh, people might say to let him off the hook. He was just straight up defending a Nazi, right? Like there's photos of this guy's tattoos and it's like, got a swastika he's got the ss lightning bolt like dude was a nazi uh and elon musk is out there saying that he wasn't just pure disinformation yeah it's and and i also think like when the nancy pelosi thing happened i I don't remember who uh i want to say it was like a major funder for myspace going you know a bit of a throwback but you know he pointed out that it's almost like elon musk doesn't understand or is rejecting the responsibility that comes with being the CEO of a platform. Like that he thinks he's any other user, he should be able to just like tweet whatever he wants. And that's, you know, a complete fiction that like owning this platform comes with a responsibility. And if you're not able to responsibly and ethically handle that responsibility, then you have no business leading a platform. Like And uh, full stop. Uh, Jonathan Greenblatt, the CEO of the Anti-Defamation League, the civil rights group that combats anti-Semitism, said that the way that Elon Musk talks about George Soros will embolden extremists. And I absolutely agree with him. Greenblatt says, Soros often is held up by the far right using anti-Semitic tropes as the source of the world's problems. To see Elon Musk, regardless of his intent, feed this segment, comparing him to a Jewish supervillain, claiming that Soros hates humanity is not just distressing, it's dangerous. It will embolden extremists who already contrive anti-Jewish conspiracies and have tried to attack Soros and the Jewish community as a result. I absolutely agree. And in my opinion, it is really time to see Elon Musk for who he is. If it's if if in May of 2023, you are still giving this person the benefit of the doubt, you are still saying that maybe he's joking, maybe this is some sort of like genius move that we're too stupid to understand. It's time it's time to let that go. Elon Musk is telling us who he is. He has told us who he is time and time again. It is time for us to believe him. You know, my, I think it was Maya Angelou who said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. Elon Musk is showing us who he is. It's time for all of us to believe him. That this is, you know, he's not just engaging with this extremist garbage by mistake. This is what he believes. This is who he is. And the sooner that we accept that, the better. Totally agree. More after a quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month. It is crucial for us, especially as Black women, to focus on our heart health. We pour our heart and soul into every aspect of our lives, but often our own health takes a back seat. That's where Release the Pressure comes in. It's all about us, Black women, seeing self-care as an essential act of self-preservation. Whether it's for yourself, your family, or your community, your health is invaluable. Let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Here's how you can join in. Head to iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. Let's make our health a priority. Visit iHeartRadio.com slash RTP today. Together, we can make a difference in our health and our lives. 
Join us and let's take care of our hearts together. Hi, it's Bridget Todd, host of There Are No Girls on the Internet. Listen, technology has made our lives easier in some ways, but it's also made us homebodies, scrolling mindlessly. Well, you get the point. Let Rails to Trails Conservancy unstick you from home. When you get out on a trail and get to walking, you'll feel so good. Trust me. You'll see that being out on the trail is so much more than a day outside. It's good for your soul. Get ideas for getting outside on the trail from Rails to Trails Conservancy, the nation's largest trails, walking, and biking advocacy organization. Visit railstotrails.org slash iHeart and on social media at Rails to Trails. So in 2024, one of my goals is to finally get serious about my finances. It's been kind of a big emotional thing for me. Thinking about money historically has caused me a lot of anxiety and stress because I have a lot of trauma related to money. And if you can relate, if that sounds like you, check out Fearless Finance. Fearless Finance provides on-demand, comprehensive financial planning by the hour. It's a new way to get financial advice without all the headaches, high fees, and commitments that come with traditional financial advisors. Fearless Finance planners don't sell anything. No used car salesman vibe here. And that means no concerns about being sold something just for the commission that it earns a rep. Their planners meet you where you are on your financial journey. No judgment. Whether you're looking to buy a house, optimize your savings, or just want to make sure your finances are okay. They can answer your questions and help you achieve your goals. No question is too small. No problem is too big. Fearless Finance is making financial advice more affordable and accessible. You meet with your planner virtually, and they charge by the hour. Visit fearlessfinance.com today to get started. You can chat with a planner for free to make sure it's a good fit. And you'll get $50 off your first planning meeting when you use code GIRLS. Let's get right back into it. Okay, so one last kind of fun thing. Did you see that weird... I mean, I don't know if you follow Essence Magazine on Facebook, Mike, probably not. But did you see this weird Facebook post that Essence Magazine put out about Viola Davis? Uh, You sent it to me and I saw it and I was like, wow, people are just like writing in bizarre ways that I can't even understand anymore. I guess I'm (laughs) out of touch with what the kids are doing. Okay, so basically it's this picture of Viola Davis at Con. She looks fantastic. She's wearing this like beautiful white gown, just like looks amazing, 10 out of 10. So Essence on Facebook, they wrote, I'm going to read this verbatim. We give credit when credit is due and Villa Davis is looking like 850. Everyone at Con can now pack your bags and return home. This is a eat. This is a eight. This is supper. God damn, the dam is broken and the flood of goodness has overflowed. 10 out of 10. Okay, so this is clearly like Essence Magazine is a magazine that has a Black woman readership, right? And so this is obviously a post that is trying to use like Black woman slang, like, oh, she ate, blah, blah, blah. I get that. However, I believe, and no one, I have no proof, but no one will be able to convince me otherwise. This is written by AI. Somebody somebody has tried to train an AI model to speak like a Black woman and do Black woman slang. And I believe this, like no one will ever be able to convince me that that's not what this is. I should say that this post has since been edited and it's it reads much clearer. They definitely like have, have polished it up. They've, spe- they've spelled Viola Davis's name correctly in the edited version. But, you know, maybe we don't need to worry about AI taking all of our jobs because... This is what it looks like when AI tries to do AAVE black slang. It trips them up every time, right? We gotta. We should call up <laughs> Shafika Hudson. Your slip is showing back in here. Yes, obviously racist word salad is what she called it. 
Okay, so I'm going to end on a little segment that I'm hoping to return to, which is called, is this happening for everyone or happening just to me? So has anyone else on TikTok noticed segments of movies taking over your For You page? It'll be just like a juicy or climactic clip from a movie. So I can't explain why, but I find these clips so deeply satisfying to watch, even if they're movies that I haven't seen or even more when they're movies that I've seen a hundred times. The last clip that came up for me was that clip from the movie Selena, a movie that I've seen no less than a dozen times. Uh, and it's it, I know the movie by heart where Selena is shopping in the mall and the sales girl is like rude to her and her sister when she's shopping. And it, she has her like pretty woman moment, you know, well, we don't need the dress. So that segment came up on TikTok and I watched the hell out of it. And I was like, well, I've, I've seen this movie a million times. I know exactly what's going to happen. But I don't know. There's just something deeply satisfying about these movie clips. Like, I've, like there are a couple movies that I have been watching in like two minute segments on TikTok. So I want to know, is this just me? Is this happening on your For You page if you are on TikTok? And if it is happening, do you find it as satisfying as I do? Like, why is it so satisfying? What's going on? What's the brain chemistry behind why this is so satisfying to watch? Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, you know, I don't spend a whole lot of time on TikTok, but I know a lot of our listeners do. So, uh, you know, send an email at hello at tangody.com. Uh, how else can people share their, their experiences? Well, uh, you can send us an email. You can find me on social. Or you can subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash tangoti. That's T-A-N-G-O-T-I. Y'all, I promise this will not be one of those podcasts where, like, every time you listen, it's like, subscribe to our Patreon, subscribe to our Patreon. Um, but it's new. I'm excited about it. We just got our very first subscriber. Thank you, Karen J, for your, for your support. Um, but, yeah, and if you want more news, analysis, media, subscribe to the Patreon and let us know what you want to hear. Like, I want it to be a resource that is helpful. Um, yeah, so I, I can't wait to hang out with y'all there. If you're looking for ways to support the show, check out our merch store at tangodi.com store. Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? You can reach us at hello at tangodi.com. You can also find transcripts for today's episode at tangodi.com. There Are No Girls on the Internet was created by me, Bridget Todd. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Edited by Joey Pat. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our producer and sound engineer. Michael Amato is our contributing producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. If you want to help us grow, rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd here. As women, we put our hearts into everything. May is High Blood Pressure Education Month, and it's time to focus on our heart health. Release the Pressure wants to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. During High Blood Pressure Education Month, let's help get to our goal of 100,000 Black women putting their hearts first and learn more about their heart health. Visit iHeartRadio.com RTP for a chance to receive a $1,000 gift card to take care of yourself and prioritize your heart health. That's iHeartRadio.com slash RTP. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. 
Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.